How's everyone doing? Yeah, enjoying this nice, dreary, rainy weather. It, it, I weirdly like this. It's the, the Washingtonian in me, I guess. Loves this weather. But. Um, so thank you all for being here on this Sunday morning. Before I dive in, um, I want to just kind of recap some fun things that have been happening here lately. So two weeks ago, a group of us went down to help out at the Johnny and Friends Walk and Roll. It ended up getting canceled because of rain, or thunder and lightning were coming in, but it was still a great opportunity to get to talk with some of the staff at Johnny and Friends, some of their volunteers, and to just continue to build those relationships up with them. So I want to thank everyone who came out to that. That was a, that was a great time, even with the rain, even with everything. It was still a really fun time. Some great conversations, great relationships were continued to be built there. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who came out for that. We, and we did get Chick-fil-A out of it, so it, it, it was perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So, let's dive in. We're going to continue today our series on worshiping God through theology, where we look at kind of some big tenets of theology, specifically Protestant theology, specifically a little bit Reformed theology. We'll talk kind of a little bit about where everything falls into those different tiers. Last week, we looked at the Bible, kind of how, it, how we got it, what all is in it, what it's to be used for, all of that, what it's not to be used for, all of that kind of stuff. Today, we are going to get into the idea of covenants. You can probably tell from all the passages talking about covenants. Now, before I dive into this too much, I want to just kind of give a quick preface to the beginning of this. When we talk about covenants or covenant theology, it can kind of get a bad rap in a lot of circles, and a lot of it is from overstretching it. So this concept we're going to talk about today is a way of presenting the kind of large strokes in the Bible, the large themes of the way God interacts with humanity. So nowhere in the biblical text are the words covenant of grace, covenant of works, things that we're going to be talking about said and talked about the way we're going to talk about them. All we're talking about is a framework for understanding kind of the, the themes and flows of the Bible. So covenant theology is called a theology. I don't like that term because it's not like an official theology. We shouldn't be taking things, trying to make it fit into covenant theology. This is just a way for us to help understand what's going on in the biblical text, for us to put things in order to help us remember things a little bit. That makes sense? I feel like sometimes this kind of idea gets a really bad reputation because it's taking things that technically aren't explicitly called out of the Bible and making things fit into them. And that's not what we're doing. It's to help us understand larger concepts. So with all that out of the way, Covenant, we should kind of talk about that. The boring definition of a covenant is an agreement or promise usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. That's a really boring definition, but we're going to kind of pick it apart a little bit. We're going to look at three elements of it in particular, the idea of the agreement or promise. A covenant is a promise. Something has to be done. Under the seal, some kind of, well, what is that? We'll talk about kind of what that is for us. And then for the performance of some action. Those are kind of the basic elements of a covenant is a promise that both parties agree to. They, for you know, us, we like you sign something, you agree to do that, or this happens, or you agree to do this, so this will happen. Basically, we're talking about, so let's kind of walk through these elements. First one we're going to talk about is what is this promise? So the idea of covenants with God, whoop, one side to bar, all the covenants we're going to talk about today really have the same promise. The promise is being with God, being present with God. 
That is the entire point of all, all the covenants we're going to talk about today, is for us to be present with God. How this played out was differently. It started out with what we have come to call the covenant of works. Now, this was a covenant between God and Adam and Eve. So this was before serpent, before, before the fruit, before sin, before all of that. In Eden, when everything was great. And the basic idea of this covenant is keep being good, keep being perfect, do what God says, and you get to hang out with God. You, God will come down, walk with you in the cool of the night, be present with God. You will have an amazing, blessed life because you'll be there with God. This obviously did not last very long because as soon as sin was introduced, it became impossible for us to fill our end of this covenant, the be good enough, do what God says exactly. Sin's introduced, that's impossible now. We cannot fulfill this. So, this covenant's broken. It cannot be redone the way things were. So what do we do? God still had this desire to be present with us, had this desire for us to be physically, emotionally, spiritually with God. So how, how do we do this? Well, we get introduced to the covenant of grace. Now this covenant, this is God, again, recognizing we can't fulfill this first covenant anymore. We cannot be with God anymore because of what we have done. So what, what do we do? This covenant allows our sin, our evil, all the things we've done to be forgiven by something else. This allows our sins to be kind of transferred, it's not a right word, but to be kind of given to something else, to be paid for by something, someone else. So this covenant really kind of has two iterations. 1.0 is for most of the Old Testament. This is sacrifices. So for much of the Old Testament, this idea of this covenant was fulfilled through the sacrificing of animals. Doves, goats, lambs, a number, litany of animals were used to cover sins, to make it so we could be, in a, we could be with God. Now, if you recall, on Easter we talked about a, spe a specific one, a communal one, that um, happened on the Day of Atonement, where the priest would go and sprinkle blood on, on the Ark of the Covenant. Right? We remember that? That was just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. All right, excellent. Now this, now, this gets an idea that these sacrifices could be individual. An individual would have to continually give sacrifices to cover sins, cover sins. And then the people as a whole would do kind of national sacrifices, communal sacrifices a few times a year to cover for the sins of the nation as a whole. But you're kind of seeing the potential problem with this system, right? It's very short term. You sacrifice, you're like, all right, I'm good. You're not going to be good for very long, right? Because we're going to sin again. Now I, uh, I have to go do another one. I have to go do another one. It's constantly this cycle. So it wasn't a sustainable long-term covenant, mainly, again, because of our shortfallings, because we couldn't sacrifice enough to make up for our sin. So we get the covenant of grace 2.0, which is Jesus. So this is kind of the same idea as the first covenant, right? Our sins are being paid for by something else, in this case, someone else, Jesus. But now, this sacrifice is eternal. This covenant lasts forever because Jesus' sacrifice for us is eternal. What happened at Calvary and then later at the tomb spreads, spans all time. So we're not going to have to keep continually renewing it, renewing it, renewing it. So now, 
this covenant unites us with God permanently because our sins that we've done, are currently doing, and will do have already been paid for, have already been taken by Jesus. So we are now in a state where we can be with God. We can be present with God. So that's the quick kind of backbone of kind of what these different covenants are. So you can kind of see a, a little bit of how they flow throughout the biblical story. Now, let's, no, picture it, I didn't put up. Now, let's jump to the kind of bottom part. A covenant is generally a promise for an action. Now think about some of these covenants. The person who's promising something is God. You're promising we can be present with God. For two of these covenants, the action kind of fell to us, right? It was, first was be good enough. We did a bad job at that. Second one was do these sacrifices. Do these sacrifices, and then in the Lord's eyes, we'll, we'll be able to go. But again, we're still the one having to do the sacrifices and then not sin. That didn't work out well. So this last covenant, notice we're not the one performing the action. It's God. It's Jesus who performed the action, who was our substitute, was our sacrifice. And that sets up an interesting kind of dynamic for us because it's God who is doing the work of the covenant and also God who is promising us because of this covenant. So just think about that. We're setting something up that is a covenant that benefits us that we don't have to do any of the work to fulfill. One of my best friends is a contract lawyer. He would never allow something like this to be written, right? We're kind of fleecing God from a, from a contract level, right? We're getting all the reward, and God's doing all the work. How does that work? Well, that is how much God loves us. That is how much God wants us to be present. How much God wants us there that God is willing to do all the work for us to receive all the reward. Now, the last thing in this definition is these covenants are under a seal. So we have a promise made or actions performed, and both parties agree to this through some sort of seal. Mostly now, you know, you'd be like signing something, getting it notarized. You know, if you're really cool, you might have a, an actual seal you put on something, right? But now that's how it would be. So what is our covenant seal? For us, baptism. Now, baptism is the sign and seal of this covenant. However, we gotta be careful here. Baptism is not mandatory to be part of this covenant, right? You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven, to be saved, any of that. Baptism is merely the mark of entrance of acknowledgement of this covenant. Us getting baptized doesn't suddenly magically make us better in the eyes of God or not. We're still the same kind of terrible people before and after. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't get baptized. Absolutely not. But it's not some kind of magical thing that suddenly makes us, oh, now we can go to heaven. It's our acknowledgement of this covenant, our tangible reflection that we are now and have always been adopted into the family of God. That we are now 
reunited with God. That's what our baptism is. It's us fully opening, fully embracing this covenant, this love that God has given us. It's us walking, accepting our place at the family of God. So those are kind of the three elements of a covenant that we see kind of play out in the New and Old Testament. I, I was going to make a chart, but it ended up being way too complicated to like kind of put the biblical timeline up there and be like, these are where the covenants kind of were, so you could kind of get a framework for it. But if you think about it, covenant of works is what? Genesis 1 through 2, going in 3, like it's real short. And then you have the first covenant of grace from, you know, Adam and Eve's sin all the way through Jesus. So that's kind of his big spanning. Almost the entirety of the Old Testament is kind of this sacrificial system covenant. In the New Testament, Jesus. That's for the second covenant and, you know, onward to today forever. So those are kind of the rough kind of themes of why these covenants can be beneficial for us to kind of see. But you see the kind of main theme running through all of these covenants, right? It's God's desire to be with us. It's God's love for us. That is the driving force behind every single one of these covenants. It's God's desire to be able to be with each and every one of us, to be able to sit with us, talk with us, listen to us, for us to be present with God. But just think about what that means for a second. The creator of the universe wants to spend time with you and has bent over backwards to make sure that's possible. Has created an incredibly lopsided promise, covenant, contract, to make sure we can do that. Just think about what that means. Think about the love that that is showing of our God to us. So all of these covenants are about spending time with God, the ability to be present with God. So let's do that. Let's take two minutes this morning. Just sit and think about that. Sit and be present with God. Listen to God. Talk to God. Everything God has done through the work of these covenants has been for this, the ability that we have to just be, to be with God, to listen to God, to talk with God. So let's take two minutes right now and do that. Sit with God, listen, and talk.